On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'm talking about this sudden coaching change by the Pacers. And then Nate McMillan joins me to talk about the season, his departure, and what's next for him. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes, recording this Thursday early afternoon, a day after the Pacers announced that they were moving on from Nate McMillan after head coach for the last four seasons. It's remains surprising primarily because they had just given an extension a month before that. And that completely goes against kind of what the Pacers' beliefs are and the ownership and being conservative and careful with your money. And so for the team to then return from the bubble and Nate not even be home 24 hours before he gets the news from Kevin Pritchard, that's tough. It doesn't sit well. And mostly I'm surprised because of the uncertainty moving forward. We don't know if this season will even finish. We don't know what next season looks like, when it may start, if there's an all-star game in Indianapolis. So I thought if any year you wanted continuity, and especially with the roster continuity that they have with so many guys, basically everybody in their rotation except for Justin Holiday under their contract, this would be the one to say, hey, look, we understand that 190-plus games were missed due to injury. We understand that this season lasts for 11 months, that you never was able to see what your true starting lineup would look like for an extensive amount of time. For that reason and the fact that it's going to cost ownership additional money, right, because you're going to have to pay out Nate McMillan for the next year on top of paying a new coach and his staff. That was something I didn't think the Pacers were prepared to make, and maybe they weren't until they – finally saw those results and were kind of embarrassed in the postseason against the Miami Heat, a team they didn't beat this year. They were swept in the playoffs. Ultimately, that was kind of what pushed it over the top, I think. And they were clearly dissatisfied by the way in which the team played at the slow pace, being 30th in three-point attempts and free throw attempts and just generally the offense and also defensively how Duncan Robinson, game after game, was able to hit those three-pointers. How a rookie in Tyler Hero averages 15 points off the bench. There's a bigger issue here, but I think ultimately it was that Heat series that allowed for the Pacers to say, hey, we need to see something else at this point. Nate is fourth all-time and wins. Only two coaches have made it past four years, that being Slick Leonard, the winningest coach in franchise history, and Frank Vogel, who... Nate worked for for three years before being promoted to head coach. I will say on Wednesday, the silence from the franchise was deafening, right? The fact that they make a significant change within the franchise and don't make anyone available was wrong. Bulls fired Jim Boylan, made the executive vice president available that day. The Pelicans, they fired Alvin Gentry. David Griffin talked within an hour and talk for more than 20 minutes. There's accountability here, and I think fans deserve to hear why the change was made, what the franchise is thinking about moving forward, and qualities they'll look for in their next head coach. And we didn't get that and still haven't gotten it to this point. And that's why I was thankful, though, in part, that Nate, he was willing to talk, to look back on the season, and also areas that maybe just didn't work out, and thoughts he even had going into the season, and whether he had a future with Indiana. So you'll hear that here shortly. Obviously, injuries were a big factor the last two seasons. It's what I wrote in March, the fact that injuries defined this season and ultimately may define the tenure of Nate McMillan. He just never got 
a healthy group to work with, right? Paul George wanted out. They traded him. Then Victor Oladipo and Dumanis Sabonis came in. Victor suffers his injury after an all-star season. Then you see other guys go through so many injuries. Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner. The list goes on and on. If anything, if I'm Nate, that's the one thing that's out of my control that is terribly frustrating. I could adapt. I certainly could have evolved the offense a little bit more. But injuries, those are out of his hands and ultimately disrupted the season constantly. And again, they used 23 different starting lineups, and the starting group only saw the floor together for 86 minutes. That's a terribly small sample size. On Wednesday, of course, several other head coaches came out and spoke up for Nate. We heard Brad Stevens, the Zionsville native and Celtics head coach, who also got an extension, by the way, two weeks ago. He said, quote, I don't know that anybody's gotten more out of his team in the last couple of years on a consistent basis than Nate McMillan, end quote. Obviously, improvements need to be made to this roster. That's number one. They need more shooters. They need to improve on their rebounding. It seems like I'm writing about rebounding for the last decade about this Pacers team. They got to figure out that four spot, and that's a contributing factor to all that. What's in the cards for Victor Oladipo? He must decide what he wants, and he's got to give a, a significant thought to signing an extension, something the Pacers would like right now, and so they would have a clear picture on their future. But Victor, after going through the injury and then now being, what, 19 months removed from that, I'm not so sure in the current environment if I don't want that stability, that guarantee. And if if he doesn't, he sure as hell better get an insurance policy just in case because you don't want to risk everything here to come back and play on the final year of his contract. So changes are forthcoming. They got underway on Wednesday with the Pacers moving on from Nate McMillan. And my thanks to Nate. He's been good to work with even since he got here as an associate head coach back in 2013 and then in 2016 promoted to head coach. He never changed. He is who he is. He's authentic. He's accountable and straightforward with us in the media. So my thanks to him during his tenure and also for being willing to jump on the podcast and talk about his time as Pacers head coach and what's next. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Fieldhouse Files my written work at fieldhousefiles.com in this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now, here's my exit interview, if you will, with former Pacers head coach Nate McMillan. First of all, just from a human level, how are you holding up? How have things been for you in the last 24 hours? Because a lot has happened between you guys flying back to Indy and then getting word yesterday uh, from Kevin Pritchard. Yeah, I mean, a lot has happened. Uh, and, you know, just really, you know, since entering the bubble, uh, you know, what, two months ago, uh, you know, a lot has been going on uh, with trying to get uh, the team ready, prepared for the restart, uh, you know, getting into the restart and uh, then going into the playoffs and uh, not having success there, returning to Indy and, uh, you know, being told that uh, the organization is going to go in a different direction. So it's been a whirlwind uh <laughs> Uh, the last uh, two, three months, really since this pandemic has been going on. What was the biggest thing Kevin touched on? I mean, obviously a little bit of a private conversation, but was there one big overlying factor that Kevin and the Pacers gave you for the reason? To no, no, it was, it, he just wanted, they want the organization to go in a different direction, you know, I, and I, and I understand that and respect it. Uh, you know, the last four years, um, uh, the team not, having success in the playoffs, not that this was something that he said, but I knew that this, it was part of it. Uh, you know, for me, 
you know, I had made up in my mind uh, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, Kevin and I had talked uh, that this was something that uh, probably uh, was going to happen or should happen uh, at the end of the season. Uh, you know, I, my plan was uh, to get get this team out of the first round, you know, get them back to the playoffs, but get them out of the f- first round. And I really felt we could we could do that if we were healthy. Uh, you know, injuries are a part of it. You have to uh, deal with that, uh, you know, during the course of a season and into the playoffs, you know, so it, that's not an excuse, you know, uh, you, you know, I, I hold myself accountable for, uh, you know, the success that this team uh, or what we haven't done in the playoffs, you know, you, someone has to take responsibility uh, for that, and I do take responsibility for it. Now that you don't work for the team, you can probably explain this a little bit better. What kind of challenge is it like for a head coach having to talk about injuries nonstop? Because we almost <laughs> talked about that more than basketball and more than the results, good or bad, on the court. How much does that just weigh on you uh, throughout a, a season that lasts 11 months like it did? Well, Scott, you know, years ago, uh, the coach didn't talk about it. The trainer would talk about it. Uh, you know, you, we, we would uh, they would leave that information for the trainers to report to reporters. And but now they've basically, uh, you know, taken the voices from uh, the trainers. And now the coaches have to report on injuries and the health of players and and all of that. You know, it's it's it's, it's really just in a part of the job, you know, you have to discuss the injuries and, and, uh, it was you know, relentless though. A lot of times, well, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, you guys want more information and it's, it's more, you're asking for more than I can give you. And a lot of times I'm waiting, uh, for the same thing that you're waiting on. You know, if a player is available, uh, the health of that player, the status of that player, normally for me, I would get a report from, uh, Josh, uh, right before our meetings uh, in the morning, uh, you know, the status of players as they wake up and how they are feeling. And, you know, sometimes that may go to game time where we we still don't know, you know, whether this player is going to play uh, or be able to play. And if he does play, will there be restrictions and all of that? You know, I have to, is, is you basically putting your game plan on hold sometimes uh, you're, you're making sure that you have uh, a backup plan uh, or you're going to go in a different direction if this player is not available. So uh, it's it's part of, you know, what we have to do. And, you know, unfortunate for us, we just, we, you know, we just had a number of guys in and out of the lineup uh, all throughout the season. Yeah, it was some just dumb luck that just continued yeah. to happen for the last couple of years. With the understanding of those injuries, do you have any regrets of things you you did do or did not do or wish you would have tried? Anything like that? Because uh, you tr- you tried no. a lot of new things and, and switching, yeah, not sending not, guys to the corner. Really, I mean, what we, we, we try to do, um, and or what I try to do with with my teams is, you know, I try to put the players. Uh, you know, people talk about style of play, and you you have to play a certain style or a certain way. Your players will dictate. Mm-hmm. your style of play and uh you know how fast they can play or how slow they play or you know what type of team they you know they establish themselves uh in being you know so i always just try to 
look at the players that we have, uh, try to put them in the best position to be successful, uh, you know, try to uh, have them work as a collective unit that are playing off of each other and, you know, trying to take advantage of their individual skills. And uh, you just, you know, you, 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 you try to establish that, you know, it's really difficult for a team to build that chemistry when guys are in and out of the lineup. You know, the lineup that we had or we started with in the bubble was a lineup we never played before, uh, which was Victor, Malcolm, uh, Warren, and Aaron Holiday with Miles Turner. We never played that combination of players. In 23 different starting lineups. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, and, you know, and, and consistency is something that the players want, but also the coach wants. So knowing that lineup and us getting comfortable with a starting lineup and a rotation coming off the bench, it helps everybody. It helps the players. It helps the coaches uh, to know, uh, you know, what he is going to be working with, his rotation, uh, the players, when they're going to come in the game or come out the game. You know, all of that helps. And a lot of times we, we had to kind of uh, we had to adjust and and adapt uh, because guys were in and out of the lineup or we had a we lose an injury or we lose a player to an injury during the course of a game or several games. And, you know, but again, that is part of uh, coaching is part of uh, things that happen in the NBA. I'm wondering what the flight home was like on Tuesday afternoon. You didn't get a chance to have your exit interviews with players. You were just leaving the NBA bubble after being there isolated for about seven weeks. Was everybody quiet or were there conversations about the season? No, no. Every, I mean, guys, everybody was asleep. I think, you know, we uh, we had the. I think our game was over like nine or ten and we had to pack, you know, we've been sitting, we've been living there for a month and a half, almost two months. And uh, we had to go back to our rooms and pack up everything uh, because we had to catch a, you know, uh, a flight out the next morning. So I think a lot of people, uh, I know myself, I didn't get to bed till four (laughs) o'clock from packing (laughs) and, uh, and, and, and trying to get everything uh, packed up and boxed up and, uh, ready for uh, pickup in the uh, uh, it, in the morning, and then we had a uh, twelve o'clock departure from the hotel, one o'clock departure from on the on the flight back. So it was dark up there, you know, and uh, pretty much the whole plane, mm-hmm. uh, including the coaches, uh, slept most of the flight back. And this is at one in the afternoon, so that's that's telling. It's what is in a late night flight here. Yeah. Do you think yeah. it was also to talk kind of about the bigger picture of the bubble? Do you think that was mentally draining and, and a little bit isolating? We've seen guys come out and say, dealing, you know, Paul talking about anxiety and depression. What was that like for you and your team? It it, it could be it could have been for for many people, you know, because people deal with th- things different, and you know, for me, uh, I did I didn't really feel that, uh, you know, I was, I was okay, uh, there, you know, but I, I, I know some players and we, we talked, uh, the coaches we talked about, we felt like some of our players were, uh, you know, having some issues with dealing with the isolation and, you know, after, you know, the first two or three weeks of, of being there, then it started to, you know, 
kind of feel like a long, a long trip and being away from home. And, uh, you know, you, you start to realize that you hadn't seen your family and, and, uh, you know, those who have kids, I mean, you know, so it had different effects on different people. And, you know, the players didn't really, we tried to provide them with, you know, there was doctors there, uh, mental help, you know, if you, if you need it, yeah. uh, that, be, uh, down there, uh, they tried to provide things like that in the bubble for players and coaches and the staff, uh, because they knew that, you know, some people would have some anxiety about, uh, you know, being in a bubble, being away from home uh, and isolated for that long period of time. Getting on that flight home, was there anything in your mind thinking, I don't know about my job? Considering you had just signed the extension within the last month, or was that kind of past you at that point? No, I've, I've been in this business, you know, long okay. enough that you, you, you always know uh, that, you know, things can happen. And, you know, certainly – uh, you know, losing four games and, you know, this is second season that, uh, you know, we got swept in the playoffs. Uh, you, you all, not, not that I thought that this was going to happen, but you, it, it didn't surprise me. Let me, let me put it that way. You're prepared uh, for anything at this point. You know, it, it, things can happen like that. You know, the organization, they look at situations like that. I look at situations like that. And, um, you know, they felt that they needed to go in a different direction. And to tell you the truth, uh, I basically had said that at the beginning of the season to myself and to the organization that if I didn't get the team to the second round uh, or out of the first round, I mean, I think they should consider looking at someone else and give someone else an opportunity. So, uh, but signing that extension um just made things kind of a little strange uh yeah. after uh <laughs> you know not having success in the playoffs you just signed an extension uh but you know as as i mentioned uh, the decision was made i respect uh, what their decision and uh you know we gave it a be- we, we gave it a uh, our best shot yeah it was just a weird dynamics, obviously, with that extension. Did you hear from ownership at all, or was this directly from Kevin? Now, Kevin and I met. We basically talked, and yeah. uh, he told me uh, what he was, what the, where the organization was going, their plans, and uh, we talked about the team and talked about our past. You know, we've been together for a long time. I think what eleven years, mm-hmm. and. Um, Said our goodbyes, and we'll stay in contact and uh, go from there. So then, what's next for you? Obviously, you've been flooded with phone calls. Uh, you went, went straight to voicemail when I called yesterday. Uh, yeah. What, yeah, what, what do you think? Yeah, there's been a lot of a uh, lot of support. I'm 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 really uh, you know amazed at the number of people and uh, you, you know just people who are extending support and wanting to uh you know you know talk to me and and uh keep me lifted and uh you know people i haven't heard from in years uh you know um and it's, it's just, i mean it's, I, i've been on the phone for the last <laughs> i mean 
24 hours of really returning phone calls, returning text messages, uh, just a lot of love and support uh, coming from a lot of people out there. Well, Nate, you're always outstanding for us to deal with. Um, obviously, wish it happened on a better note, but thanks so much for uh, putting up with us all these years. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, reporting. And, uh, you know, all I think all coaches ask for is that uh, the media – uh, be fair with them. And uh, I didn't think that you guys, uh, yourself, uh, uh, and, you know, the, our beat writers and the people that cover the Pacers, I thought you guys were always fair uh, with me. And, and, and um, you know, that's all you can ask for. So I uh, thank you for everything that you've done. Now go enjoy hanging out with your wife and your grandchild. That's Absolutely. what it's all about. I haven't seen uh, seen them in three months, man. So uh, That's awesome. we're go- I'm going to uh, do that and uh, just get away for a bit. Well, there's Nate, who's clearly looking forward to turning off his phone a little bit, heading home to Raleigh and relaxing and getting some quality family time after being away and by himself in his room for the last seven weeks. So thanks again to Nate for joining the show, and I'll have much more on the developments on this Pacers offseason what direction they'll look towards, both from a player and coaching standpoint. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, and you bet I'll talk to you again soon.